The hints of approach does not work at home any more than in the classroom or in the office. Most studies show that parents who run a tight ship and who are fairly strict produce the most secure children. The kids may complain about the rules and they may rebel, but they will grow up happier, more ambitious, and better adjusted. If you care about the members of your family, then you care about how successful they are, and you devote time and energy to helping them learn to do things well. When you are overly benevolent with your children and hand out privileges and money too freely, they may give you a hug and say, You're super, but that hug was purchased and you're not really super. You will feel a lot better about the hug you get when your kid is 25 and just got a promotion and comes to you and says, Thanks for teaching me how to work. Students like to be pushed, says Bill Honig, superintendent of schools for the state of California. Kids respect courage. They say, If you don't make me do it, you don't care about me. They squirm, then they do it. For all our talk about the advantages of non-directive leadership, people need to be steered. Mr. Robert S. Hughes, chairman of the board at the Robert S. Hughes Company, said to me recently, The older I get, the more I realize that our employees need more direction than we once thought. In my counseling practice, I'm now seeing lots of patients in their 20s who are wishing that their parents had given them stronger leadership. A woman said to me not long ago, I'm sorry mom and dad didn't give me more guidance. There are things I really need to know to function well out in the adult world, and my folks could have taught me those things. I was probably a know-it-all and didn't act as if I needed any guidance. But I did. Leadership methods seem to vary greatly, but one constant among successful motivators is a dogged devotion to superior work. They are never namby-pambies who are easily swayed by the winds of fashion. To be a leader, you have to have some fire in your belly. When Mario Cuomo was in law school, Teachers told him to change his vowel-laden last name if he wanted to get ahead in life, but Cuomo refused, for he was fiercely proud of his Italian heritage. When he ran for governor of New York in 1982, his opponent, Louis Lerman, spent $13.9 million, $9.6 million from his own personal fortune, compared to Cuomo's $4.8 million. At times, Cuomo was convinced that he would lose. Writing in his diary one night, late in the campaign, he was tired and depressed. Looking for a pencil, he ruffled through some papers in the back of his desk drawer and turned up one of his father's old business cards. He read, Andrea Cuomo, Italian-American Groceries, Fine Imported Products, and began to think about his father. When Andrea Cuomo arrived in America, he could not speak English and took a job digging sewer trenches. Eventually, they acquired a tiny 24-hour grocery store, behind which the struggling family lived for many years. After staring at the cart, Cuomo wrote in his diary that night, 
couldn't help wondering what Papa would have said if I had told him I was tired, or, God forbid, that I was discouraged. One scene in particular came sharply into view. We had just moved into Hollywood from behind the store. We had our own house for the first time. It even had some land around it, even trees. One in particular was a great blue spruce that must have been 40 feet high. Less than a week after we moved in there was a terrible storm. We came home from the store that night to find the great blue spruce pulled almost totally out of the ground and flung forward, its mighty nose bent in the asphalt of the street. When we saw our spruce defeated, its cheek on the canvas, our hearts sank, but not Papa's. Maybe he was five feet. Six of his heels were not worn, but maybe he weighed 155 pounds, if he had had a good meal. But he was stronger than Frankie and me and Marie and Mama all together. We stood in the street looking down at the tree. The rain was falling. We waited a couple of minutes, figuring things out, and then he announced. Okay, we gotta push him up. What are you talking about, Papa? The roots are out of the ground. Shut up. We're gonna push him up. He's gonna grow again. We didn't know what to say to him. We couldn't say no to him. Not just because you were his son, but because he was so sure. So we followed him into the house and we got what rope there was and we tied the rope around the tip of the tree that lay in the asphalt and he stood up by the house with me pulling on the rope and Frankie in the street in the rain helping to push up the great blue spruce. No time at all, we had it standing up straight again. With the rain still falling, Papa dug away at the place where the roots were making a muddy hole wider and wider as the tree sank lower and lower towards security. Then we shoveled mud over the roots and moved boulders to the base of the tree to keep it in place. Papa drove stakes in the ground, tied rope from the trunk to the stakes, and maybe two hours later looked at the spruce. The crippled spruce made straight by ropes and said, Don't worry, it's gonna grow again. I looked at Papa's card from the desk and wanted to cry. If you were to drive past the house today, you would see the great straight blue spruce, maybe 65 feet tall, pointing straight up to the heavens, pretending it never had its nose in the asphalt. I put Papa's card back in the drawer, closed it with a vengeance. I couldn't wait to get back into the campaign. Cuomo went on to win the 1982 election by 180,386 votes, in large part because of his dogged determination in the face of what appeared to be insurmountable obstacles. Such determination does not come from nowhere. In this case, it came from an immigrant father who had fire in his belly and who thought it important to give strong direction to his family. Thank you.